As it always is, it's good to be with you. If uh, you do not have a pen with you to write with, there are a couple of cards on each side. Um, just go ahead and go get one. In fact, I mean, if somebody wants to take a can right there beside you, hold it up, throw pens to each other, I really don't mind. You need to write. I've got some homework for you already before I even get going. I just want to call it out. Today, I'm probably going to be speaking to 12, 15 different passages that I'm just going to call out. I want to challenge you to write them down and then to read those throughout this next week. All right? So uh, James 1, 19 through 21 is where I'm diving in. Uh, this morning, I'm not talking about those, those verses. Yes, I want you to jump into those, but lots of other ones that it looks at. Uh, so please, that's, that's the challenge for you today is to scribble all those things down uh, or to type them up on your phone, whatever you want to do. I don't care at all. And then later this week to read those. It'll be a wonderful opportunity, especially um, one of the reasons I asked for that, some people struggle with knowing, hey, I want to read the Bible. Where do I begin? Now, there are some gospels that I would tell you to jump into. I, I'd tell you to start probably with the gospel of John. Um, and uh, there's all different ways that we could look at doing that. I would tell you also, if you want to read something uh, in terms of the letters of Paul, I would say go to Romans and read it five times in a row because you're going to need that many times just to start to absorb all of it. But this is a cheat sheet. This is a way for you to go, hey, I want to get in the Word. I don't know exactly how to do it. And so then you can do this as well, okay? So write down all these as I go. Um, before I jump into it, though, my, my family, my kids really want animals, um, they really do. The problem is three of my kids have allergies. So if they even go to someone's house who has animals, I have to drug them up with Benadryl. I, I need to, I'm trying not to say things like drug them up. Um, I need to give them Benadryl and stuff just so that they don't react so much. Um, it's just part of our life and what we, we cope with. And so here they are. They want animals and they want a potbelly pig named Bacon. Um, they want all kinds of stuff. Um, and so my neighbors were going out of town, and I looked at them. They have a, a dog, and I was like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll keep your dog. I, I figure if I do that kind of stuff, it'll give them just a little taste, and then it'll go away, right? And every time I see my neighbors, with the, it's at my house right now, probably doing something on the floor, if you know what I mean. That's what we've already learned. It's like a child. And so all of a sudden, we're like, hey, let us have the kid. Every time I see my neighbor with this dog, anything they say, that dog does immediately, I'm amazed. I'm like, this is going to be great. I mean, they've trained that dog so well. Well, that dog does not listen to me for anything. Like, I'm, fine. I'm trying to speak like my neighbors, just so the dog will listen to me. And the dog doesn't listen. I remember every time I see them with the dog, they have a shock collar on it. They didn't give me the shock collar. So the dog doesn't listen to me at all. Ironically, I think that's us today. I'm not comparing us to an animal or anything like that, but we only listen when we have a motivation to listen. And God speaks to us, and we know it. We read the word of God, and we go, man, this is what he wants. But then we go, well, I don't know about that. And we justify doing what we want to do because we go, well, he's full of grace and mercy. Sometimes, just so I can get it right, and this isn't how God functions, but I wish I, wish I had a shot collar on. So I, I start doing something that I know is not right, and God says, uh-uh. Twitch. Right away. 
because we don't listen. And we want to do what we want to do regardless. And as we jump into this passage, James chapter 1, again, we know that this is written to a bunch of believers who have been scattered. The 12 tribes, it tells us in verse 1. So he's writing this to believers, and it's a measuring stick for how we should be living. Are we doing okay? Uh, This last week also, one of my kids brought back uh, a report. This is my youngest kid. I'm not going to go through all the different things. Um, It grades like 1, 2, 3. There's no A, B, C, D, F. Um, It's just 1, 2, or 3. And if you get um, a 3, that's really good. If you get a 2, it's like, hey, you're doing okay, but... it's, it's letting him know how he's doing. Well, to me, this is the book of James. It's, it's giving us a report of going, hey, look at this, and now look at what you're doing in your own life, and now you're going to know how you're really doing. Are, are, you, are you living up to the, what I've called you to live up to, right? Are, are you really able to do that? One of the things my kid does is he's like, hey, he kind of talks to a lot of other people and distracts them. She, the teacher actually wrote it down. And I just said, yeah, you're not going to change that. They tried with me. It didn't work. It's like, okay, where are you in that standard? What does that look like? That's what James is doing. Now, he's going to be speaking about those really who then love the Lord and who want to walk in his word at all times. Because he's instructing us to listen to listen up. I want to go to Psalm 119, verse 1. Just listen to this briefly. There's one for you to write it down, right? Psalm 119, verse 1 says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. You're going to learn this from the book of James, but here's what it is. A disciple, a believer, walks in the way of the Lord and patterns his or her life after the word of God. That's what a believer does. We are to reflect God's glory, right? We are to reflect him at all times. But we do that by walking in the way of the Lord. That's what James is instructing here. This, guys, I know it's hard. I know you're going through difficulty. I know you're being persecuted, but this is what I need you doing. And also a believer, a disciple, patterns his or her life after the word of God. Psalm 119.1 says that. In Psalm 119 Verse 10, it says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 14 of 119 says, in the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. To be able to be obedient to your word, to walk in your word, is the most joyous, glorious thing I get to do. Another way of looking at this is that it really means that unbelievers don't walk in the way of the Lord. They don't seek God's law. Psalm 119, 155. Psalm 119, 155 says, Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. An unbeliever avoids the law of God. And yet we know in verse 30 of that same chapter that he has chosen the way of truth, and we need to choose the way of truth. Why? Because God's word is the originator of the new birth. Now, this is important for us. 
we were able to address that briefly last week. You're going to be able to pick up some more of that this week. But the Word of God is the agent of transformation along with Holy Spirit that God chooses to use. James 1.18 from last week, right? It says the following, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, his law, his truth, his promise, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so we know from James 1.18, it tells us that he makes us into a kind of a new creation, a first fruit of a new creation, because it is the word of truth that is this acting as this agent of transfer- transformation, moving in our life, and we're absorbing it. It's the power of new life. We're allowing it to soak in. Not just to come and we grab it real quick and then we push it back out. You let it soak in. It impacts the fabric and everything else that you're doing. The fabric of your life, right? All of it. It's woven in the midst of it. And it happens with the word of truth. We know this. So having been born again by the word, our heart's desire is to listen to it and to learn from it and then to respond to it. So I wanted to say all that because we need to ask how we're responding to the word of God. Are we allowing it to really soak in and to to have that type of impact in our life, to respond to it in such a significant way? True faith, transformation. True faith, transformation of your life. We also, uh, biblically, we can look at it as sanctification. That continual process of being sharpened and growing into the image of Christ, okay? True faith, transformation, sanctification is marked by a proper response to the word. It's marked by a proper response to the word and us going, okay, God's given me some pretty radical stuff here, some pretty amazing things. I want to respond to that. And so it gives significance to Psalm, I'm sorry, to James chapter 1 verse 19 when he says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Quick to listen, quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, slow to anger in their life. Um, one of my daughters asked me, um, what makes a good football player? We were watching football. What makes a really good football player? I said, one size. They're like, well, you're pretty big, Dad. I go, aw, um. No, not. They're like, well, and then like, what do you mean? I mean, well, a lot of Dutch people are football players, right? I just like, like just, you just got to be big. Like, you got to be a lot bigger than this. I'm, a, I'm not a good football player. Like, you got to really have size. Like, well, how much bigger are they than you? They're like, they weigh twice as much as I do. Really? The linemen? Yes, twice as much. Wow. They eat a lot. I'm like, I'm sure they do. Small children, just like you. She's like, no, Dad, you're messing. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. And we know that an athlete looks certain ways. They're big, they're strong, right? They're fast. 
A musician looks a different way. One of my kids loves to sing and, and to be able to play the piano, right? And, and they look a different way. And we talk about what a musician is to look like. And they need to have a good ear, right? They need to be disciplined to practice and to rehearse and all these different things, right? Well, here, James chapter 1, James is saying, here, let me tell you what a disciple looks like. Let me tell you what a disciple looks like. Let me tell you what a believer looks like. They're quick to listen. They're quick to listen. They're quick to hear. I want to talk briefly. We know what it is to listen, right? They're really absorbed to hear truth. It's part of the reason I, I jumped into Psalm 119 today, is to recognize the significance of it. But let me, let me address for a moment this. Why don't we listen sometimes? I want, I want to give you one reason. The pri- I believe the primary reason people don't listen to God or even other people at times. One word. Arrogance. If you believe in God and you believe in his word and that God has given you the word for us to be able to respond in a greater way to him, would you not want to do, and if you believe God knows better than you know, would you not want to strive to be obedient to his word? The answer is simple. It's yes. So the only way that I can explain for us to not listen to God's word is because of arrogance, because of pride. We think we know better, or in the very least, we'd still just rather do that anyway because we can figure it out because we're so brilliant. It's all arrogance. One of the ways that we can fix that is to give greater authority to truth. It's hard to get people to, to dive into the Word of God every day. I get it. The, the percentages are staggering of the number of people who don't even touch the Bible during the week but show up on Sundays for church. But I am trying everything I can to get you to get into the Word of God. Because it's life-altering. And when you live in the word of God, what it does is you will naturally give greater authority to God's truth. One of the issues that we're having today is we're not listening to God. We don't even listen to others because we don't give them any authority in our life. This is my life. This is how I'm going to live. So be it. If you want to fix the listening problem that you may or may not have in your life, I would tell you to fix the authority problem that you have in your life. Because here he is laying it out. A disciple is, here's what he is. Here's what a musician is. Here's what an athlete is. Here's what an accountant needs to be good at. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. Well, if you want to be a disciple, a believer, a follower, this is what you're going to be. You're going to be quick to listen because you know that God knows best and you want to be able to be obedient to him. So you're going to be quick to listen, quick to hear, and you're also going to be slow to speak. A quickness to listen is a mark of humility, by the way.
Quickness to listen is a mark of humility. And we know that we need to consider others better than ourselves. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. You can scribble that one down. We need to consider others better than ourselves. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. You heard that earlier. And we look at it and go, okay, then wait a second. That means I need to be slow to speak. I need to listen to understand before I respond. Listening to understand before I respond is a sign that I'm not wise in my own eyes. Reminds me of Proverbs 12, verse 15. It's what it speaks to. Proverbs 12, 15. It's what it's addressing. That's what it's talking about. It means I, I, I know that I don't have all the answers. And so I'm going to tr- seek, I'm going to try my very best to listen first. Listening to understand before we respond is that sign that we're not wise in our own eyes and that we're not leaning on our own understanding, but we're leaning on the understanding of God. Proverbs 3, verse 6. Do not lean on your own understanding. But because of the authority that you've given to the word of God, you now want to lean on the understanding of truth and on the word. And so as a result of that, you're relying on that. Do you, here's a great question, do you, do you truly on a day-to-day basis rely on scripture, on the word of God? Or is it the manual of your car that's in the glove box and you only get it out because you've never changed the tire before and so when you have a flat tire then you need to get it out because you don't know where all the stuff is to be able to change your tire or you lose some lights and you go I must have a messed up fuse which fuse is this what amount is it what number is it what do I need to do and so then you finally twice a year you open up the glove box you pull out the manual and go Let me see in the back here, fuses. And so what we do is we go, oh, what do I do now? Pain. Hurt. Sin. Oh, I need need some mercy up in here. Mercy. And so whenever we enter that place in our life, we open up the glove box and we pull it out. So we know that we are to be quick to listen, quick to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry. We're going to camp out here for a while, guys. Um, I want us to talk about why we get angry. Remember, James, writing to a bunch of people, scattered, being persecuted, he's addressed perseverance and steadfastness and enduring, but now he's addressing anger. He's addressing anger with a bunch of people who have others who are truly tormenting them and torturing them and making their life as difficult as possible. And now he's going to write to them and say, let's speak about anger. So it matters what is about to be stated here. Quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? Slow to become angry. 
And all the times we've divided this up into those who get angry and those who don't. Everybody gets angry. It's a matter of how that anger comes out. So let's go ahead. Before you poke your spouse and say you get angry because they may call it out, know that everybody gets angry. Everybody just deals with it differently. Some people deal with it by wanting to control more because they can't handle anything not going their way and it angers them. They go, well, it's just frustrating. No, it angers you. You're just expressing it differently, and so you want to control everything in your life as much as possible. That's some people. It's still anger, though. You have to identify it. You have to recognize that's what it is, and so as a result of that, let's go ahead and process this anger issue that we have within our society even. Because today, there's a lot of angry people. It's just that some tend to get really red-faced, and they erupt, right? But other people just respond differently. And a lot of times we get angry with something when it deals with a threat to someone or something that we care about in our own life. If we, if we have a threat in our own life for someone that we love, right? I, I tell people all the time, there's not a lot that's going to mess with me, but there's a couple things. Mess with my wife, right? Mess with my wife, there's, there's an anger thing. Well, it's still angry. And so we have to examine this. Because not only does it say slow to become angry, think of this, James 1.20, it's the only one of these things that then he actually addresses further. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you have anger and it manifests itself in the wrong way and you don't process it appropriately, then we cannot produce the righteousness of God. We know that Jesus got angry. I can't tell you how many times that I have heard someone justify their anger by saying, well, Jesus got angry. I understand that. We recognize that. Mark chapter 3, verse 5. There's another one for you. Jesus got angry. It's how you process that anger. There's nothing wrong with being upset if someone slights you or, or dismisses your reputation or questions it. But here's the thing. Your anger, what you get upset about, will actually reveal what you care about the most. Your anger tends to reveal what you care about the most. And anger, if not for Christ, if not for God, is actually a person who's claiming their own rights. You're claiming your own rights. This is what I deserve. So another way of saying this is I would say, be slow to claim your own rights. Has God promised you what you're getting angry about? It's a good way to think about it. Has God promised you what you're getting angry about? Because if God hasn't promised you what you're getting angry about, then what you're doing is saying, this impacts me. Wait a second. This isn't right. I want it for me. I want it for self. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The big issue here is do we want to produce the righteousness of God? And are we willing to set ourselves aside in order to give God glory? So much of the anger today is us saying, this is what I should get. 
And yet we're never upset at the true wrongs of the world, right? And I understand why. We get upset because someone will cut you off. That's upsetting for me. Somebody pulls out, like, right, I mean, they'll pull out right in front of you. And they're the ones waving their hand at you, saying, hey. They're not really saying, hey. Are you there? And I'm going, wait a second. And I get all upset, and I'm thinking about, should I speed up past them and do something? And then I go, no, I got Chapel Point on the back of my car. I can't do that. It says, he is greater than I. Ah. Just take the ichthus off. It's like we, we get angry because we see someone who's messing with what we think is ours or has done something wrong to us. Can we please start getting angry about the true injustices of this world and how Christ is being oppressed even today in radical ways? And honestly, I don't think the church on the whole even cares. Can we get ticked about that, please? Had a friend, they got a new car. I was happy for the friend because they got a new car. And somebody chose to give them a ding in their car at the grocery store. And man, they were upset. Like, I mean, I was thinking, they're like, you don't understand, it's really bad. I'm like, oh man, that's horrible. And I told him about a friend of ours here, Rick Mary. He, I was like, he fixes dents. That's what he, like, go see him. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's horrible, it's so bad. And I looked at it, and I promise you, it's no bigger than the tip of a pencil. I mean, can we get upset about something that really matters? Because you live in Michigan, your car's going to rust anyway. I'm serious. Can we get upset about something that actually matters? Because we're struggling with anger today, and men typically on, a, on the broad scale, we deal with it because we'll just, we'll just call it out. Stop running. But overall, women, they just process it differently, and they just want to hold closer to everything so that they can control it, and that's how they cope with it. Don't write me letters. I'm saying as a whole. You're all exceptions. But let's go ahead and identify the fact that we're struggling with anger in our life, and we're ticked off about the wrong things. Because here he is writing people who are being persecuted and people who are just truly tormenting these people. And he's telling them, but hey, guess what? Be slow to become angry because when you're producing the righteousness of God as they torment you, you can glorify Christ in the very greatest way possible. Praise God. Wow. May we start focusing on the right things. That's what this is really yelling out to me. Wow, you guys focus on so many things that don't matter. Focus on me. I want to give you a few things that you can do to cope and even identify the anger that you may have in your life. I'm going to give you just a few words real quick. They're not on there. Just, just scribble them down if you would. 
evaluate. Just write down the word evaluate if you would. We need to evaluate. We need to be honest about why we're angry. Because when our heart is angry about something, it is revealing what we really care about. We need to evaluate that, and we need to ask our friends to help us with it. To identify it. Ask a, a friend or a spouse, someone that you care for, say, can you, can you help me evaluate ways that you think I may be angry? Because I want to know if I'm being angry for the right stuff. Another thing that I want you to do is I want you to ex experience conviction. Here's why. We know that the Bible says that anger is the one thing that invites Satan in the door. You're going, well, yeah, but everybody gets upset. But we know Scripture tells us that it's anger that opens the door for Satan to get into our life. So you better give it some attention. You better address it. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 speak to that. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 speak to that. In fact, the entire chapter of Ephesians 4, just write that down and circle it. Because there's so many different times it's going to address this very thing. For to this you have been called. We've been called to reflect Christ, and we know that sometimes we get angry toward the wrong things. So experience conviction. Allow God to come into your life and say, hey, you're getting it wrong. Allow others who you trust to come into your life and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. We know that mature people invite accountability. It's not always fun, trust me. But we need it. So evaluate. If you want to know how to be slow in becoming angry, truly evaluate the things that you're getting upset about. But also allow God to bring conviction. Invite Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit brings conviction. And I firmly believe, as you already know, conviction is a blessing. Because it's God saying, no, I want you to come over here. I've got something greater for you. Don't give that value. Give this value. Conviction is a blessing. So experience conviction. Lastly, I want, you to I want you to repent. Some of you need to not only repent before God, but you need to go to somebody else and just say, will you forgive me? I've lashed out at you. I've expressed anger. Maybe I haven't yelled, but I've experienced anger, and I've done it this way. Or I've done it this way. And it's me. It's really, here's, here's what it is. It's you claiming your own rights. I want what I want. This is how I want things done. This is how my house will be organized, and my garage will look like this, and the dishes will be done when I get home from work, well, whoever it is, or this, or this, or this, or this. I cannot believe you spent $4.27 on this. We made an agreement to save for a vacation. Anybody? Because right now, I kind of feel convicted. First of all, ask yourself, is it something that God promised you? Right? We already addressed that. Evaluate it. Allow God to convict you of it and then repent. I 
I mentioned it before, but Ephesians 4.26 is to be angry and do not sin. Meaning it can stir you up. Anger doesn't have to always be, if, if, if emotionally you're getting frustrated about something that's eternal, something that's of God, allow that to be converted into something that is good, to do something amazing for him. First Timothy 2.8 says, this is Paul by the way, First Timothy 2.8 says, men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Ephesians 4.31, that's why I told you to read the entire chapter. Ephesians 4.31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. That's why he tells us in verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is about what happens when you have the conception of the word of God in your life rather than the conception of temptation. Remember the beginning of chapter uh, 1 of James speaks a lot about that temptation and the new birth and how all that happens. Well, we need to look at whether our life is the conception of temptation that we have in our life, and so we have all this sin, or do we have the conception of the Word of God in our life, and so now we're producing something very differently. It's called producing the righteousness of God. So he continues on, and he's addressing this. James says, well, a disciple is also, right, a, a disciple produces righteousness. Psalm 143, verse 11 says, for your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring my soul out of trouble. Now, here's what I love about this. Think about the parallel is this. It says, for your name's sake. For your name's sake. So righteousness, I want to help us understand righteousness. To me, a very simple way of talking about what it is to pursue righteousness, to produce righteousness, is righteousness is living for the name of Christ and not for self. It's a very simple way of looking at righteousness. It's one of those words that gets us confused. But it's living for, this, for the name of Christ, for his name's sake, and not for self. Now, that's interesting because now he had just addressed anger. And that's all about whether or not you give more value to self or to Christ in terms of what you're becoming angry about and what you're willing to do about it. And now he's saying produce righteousness. All of this has one thing in common. Are you more consumed with Christ or are you more consumed with self? Rid yourself, it says, of moral filth and evil. Why? Because you can't have those things in your life if you're pursuing righteousness. Humbly, meekly accept the word. First Thessalonians says this. When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in the believer. Hebrews 
says that the word of God for the, for the believer, that when the word of God is in the disciple, that it is living and active. That's what's happened. There's no stagnation in the believer. It's not possible. If the word of God is in you, then it is living and active. Hebrews 4.12. You can't get away from that. And so all of a sudden, you're going to start experiencing all these things that are happening in life. And every single time, you're going to keep running back to the fact of, does this matter to God? Does this matter to God? Does this, does this truly matter to God? And if it does, you're going to then respond to that with his truth and his righteousness. Why? Because we know that true faith transformation is marked by a proper response to the word. I want you to think about this as we close today. This last portion of this passage. It says, therefore, I want you to put away all filthiness, all the wickedness. It's rampant. It's all over the place. I want you to receive with humility, with meekness, the implanted word, recognize what it can do in your life for transformation and for renewal. And then it says something that I think is so quickly read through. It says, which is able to save your souls. So just process this. I know, I know we're running late. The team's going to come back out. But process this real quick. It, which is able to save your souls. It, he's giving all of this to the believer. And he's saying, do this because we know, listen, when someone allows the, the implanted word of God to fill their life, it can save their soul. I'm amazed at what people sign up for. When I was in college, I, had, um, I didn't have any money. <laughs> I was broke. And so I signed up for every credit card I could because they gave me a free T-shirt. I'm serious. Some of you have done other things. You're, you're broke, and so you go spend $5 for a piece of paper that you can scratch off and hopefully win a million dollars, even though you're more likely to be struck by lightning like three times. You've signed up for it. You've given part of what you have for that. Some of you have said, man, I would love to win a new truck. And so you're walking through the mile and you sign up for lawn care so that you can be registered to win a free truck. It's amazing what we sign up for. But here, and here's a big question for us today. Here is James, and he's writing this amazing, extraordinary letter, and he's letting them know, hey, listen, do everything you can to allow the Word of God to just seep into your life, the implanted Word of God, so that you can produce righteousness. righteousness. Oh, and by the way, it can save your soul. Have we signed up for the hope that God gives some of you are just, you're, you might be reluctant. Like, okay, I'm at church. Pastor, quit pushing me. I'm at church already. 
I didn't even want to be here today, but my spouse said, I'm going, so I'm here. So you're not really receiving it. I mean, that's a big question. Have you fully received, embraced God's love and his teachings? That's the big question for you. Have you fully received and embraced God's love and his teachings? And this is important because it's a matter of where you find hope. I have uh, come to a place in my life where a lot of people who are just prideful and arrogant, and I know I've had it in my own life, um, maybe it's because I've experienced for myself, uh, instead of becoming angry, I do, I, I, I get just kind of sad. The person who has every answer already, the person who just is going to claim their own rights no matter what, well, you don't understand. Maybe I don't, I don't know. But I'm convinced that God does. And I'm convinced that some of us have some major issues in our life with listening and, and with anger. And we have to make a decision on whether or not we're going to claim our own, our own rights or if we're going to claim Christ. Will you claim Christ? Will you claim Christ? So I want to pray. And then we're going to sing. And then we have a whole lot of work to do, guys. By getting in some cars and driving to some other places, homes and restaurants and places of employment. And we got a whole lot of representing to do, do we not? So God, I ask that you would give us the courage to be honest with ourselves, to evaluate who we are. To recognize that the only real hope is found in you. May we listen well, speak slowly. And to allow any anger in our life to reflect you and not us as we declare your goodness. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing to him.